future, what'll be next? Big thoughts keeping the planet in check. Topics ain't easy. Go for some. But it might get lively. Policy can be a fun. Hello, Grid Geeks listeners. Sarah Baldwin here for another episode of Grid Geeks, where I talk with policy experts about those esoteric rules shaping our energy future. Today's episode impacts of COVID 19 on the electric grid and electric energy industry. The global pandemic brought on by COVID 19 has been ever present in all of our lives for the better part of 2020, with devastating impacts on public health, businesses, people's livelihoods, and the economy. Throughout the pandemic, utilities have continued to manage and operate the electric grid while dealing with the need to keep utility employees safe, respond to abrupt changes to electricity demand, and deal with many customers' inability to pay electric bills. Additional economic and environmental factors, such as storms and natural disasters, have challenged utilities and system operators tasked with providing safe and reliable power to communities. The steps taken by industry stakeholders to protect employees and customers' health while keeping the lights on required significant innovations. Here with me today to discuss the challenges and experiences from utilities and system operators facing these challenges head-on are two electric energy industry experts. First, we have Dean Sharafi, who heads system management for the Southwest Interconnected System in Australia. He's also a senior member of IEEE and a member of the IEEE Power Energy Society Governing Board. Hello, Dean. Hi. Thanks for joining us. And we also have... Glad to be here. (laughs) Great. We also have Juan Carlos Montero, Network Analyst in the Costa Rican National Power Control Center and an IEEE Power Energy Society Vice President of Membership and Image. Juan Carlos, bienvenidos. Welcome. Gracias. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, it's uh, it's great to have you both and exciting to have two international guests on the show. I'm going to start off by having you each tell me a little bit about yourselves and the role that you play in the energy industry. And Dean, I'm going to start with you. Thank you. Um, I was trained as a protection engineer and started working with a utility in Iran in 1990. And... Um, after a few years, I migrated to Australia working uh, on an international project in, in Malaysia for two years as a resident engineer, and then came back to Australia, uh, worked um, for um, consultants, and then in 2003 joined uh, the utility in Western Australia, and um, starting as a protection engineer in, in the field and then moving into maintenance, and then a transmission asset management um, as an operational asset manager, and in 2012, moved to real-time operation, operation of the electricity system in Western Australia. In 2016, as a result of the local government reforms, um, I joined Australian Energy Market Operator with all my team, to continue to operate the electricity grid here. Great. It sounds like a very diverse and rich career. And uh, Juan Carlos, how about yourself? Tell us a little bit about your role in the energy industry. Yeah, thank you very much again. Uh, well, uh, I am from Costa Rica. Um, I work on the system operator here in Costa Rica. We are That's the highest level of electricity authority in the power system in Costa Rica. I have been working in the system operator for the last six years. Before that time, I was a research engineer, also my company, ESE, in Costa Rica. Right now, I I work uh, reviewing uh, some contracts, inter- interconnection studies. I uh, review uh, reliability studies to the network. And lately, uh, during this time, I have been very engaged to check how we can continue the business in my control center. And again, as you said, to keep the lights on, we need to provide reliability to our customers in these times. So it has been an interesting time, and thank you very much. 
Great. Well, let's go ahead and dive into to those experiences. Uh, you each contributed to a new white paper that was recently released called Sharing Knowledge on Electrical Energy Industry's First Response to COVID-19. And this was prepared by the IEEE Power and Energy Society's Industry and Technical Support Leadership Committee. Uh, so, Dean, I'm going to start with you and just have you uh, elaborate a little bit on what this paper focused on and and how it was developed uh, with a committee of, of global contributors. Um, the, the paper is about sharing knowledge of what utilities and independent system operators are doing to manage the impact of COVID-19. Um, I, I was very fortunate to um, be part of this activity uh, through IEEPS, which provided a confluence of uh, international experts around the world to come together and work on, on this paper. That The paper looks at short-term and long-term impact and how utilities are doing uh, in, in managing the risk and um, ensuring reliability of the grid and keeping the lights on. It's, it's not a guideline. It's a um, paper designed for sharing experience and knowledge and what um, the power industry is doing globally. But um, it, it's been only made possible by this amazing network of very passionate professionals coming together to do this work. That's great, and it's a. I think, if I'm not mistaken, a volunteer committee, folks who are sort of taking time out of their own day to day to to contribute and create this uh, information catalog. Absolutely, that's that's great. When very yeah, absolutely. So we all we all came together um, in our own time and uh, wanted to help the industry to understand uh, the, these impacts better and and learn from each other. Well, that's great and very laudable, especially amidst a, an otherwise very trying time otherwise. <laughs> um, Juan Carlos, uh, I'd love for you to share your perspective in terms of both the, the paper and, and what your uh, top two or three takeaways were from, uh, from the report, as well as any of your own experiences that you want to impart about the COVID-19 experience and response. Yes, true. Sure. Well, for me, this was the first time to help in this type of white paper, and it had been amazing, and it had been, it had shown me the value of IEEE PES. As I said, I worked in the system operator, and of course, when this COVID uh, pandemic started, all the system operators and all, all the world were doing a different style of uh, activities and techniques to, to keep the lights on, as I mentioned. So everyone was watching how the virus was uh, spreading what the other people were doing. There were a lot of information in the news. There were a lot of information exchanging with, within the, our networks, our friends, right? And that's when uh, we started to contact each other within IEEPS and then we started, hey, we need to share and support our people. There's a lot of information going on. Um, and of course, we have a great group of volunteers and leaders. And again, we started to contact each other and we got to, the idea, to this idea, let's share what we are doing again. So that was amazing in my case because, again, uh, I had the opportunity, the opportunity to reach to great leaders from a different type of uh, utilities. They shared to us what they were doing. We were able to discuss some uh, big issues that were in our minds, our concerns, and we started to drop in the backbone of the white paper. And after that, we started to reach out again, more volunteers and utilities to get their official point views. And for me, again, it was amazing. It was very useful to get information, support from IEEE's friends about, again, how they were dealing with this. And there were not a concrete or right answer, right or wrong answers. Uh, I guess I said um, this is what this is a new event for the utilities, a pandemic, a very quick pandemic situation. And again, we share what we were doing, uh, and we brought it down so more people were able to to learn about it. And I like it very much because again, this was a people's event. 
this is a first thing that we deal in Costa Rica again uh, a pandemic this is in the in the port system it's a, a out of the box thing so having a people saying how to deal to protect the people was very important and I, I like that very, that very much from the paper how the utilities are working to protect their people to keep the lights on and how the people is one of the most important things again the other thing that as I said the ability to be in touch with so many people around the world to discuss the paper, what we're doing, exchange information, and then discuss to uh, to get to conclusions and able to write down the paper and, and share it. That was an amazing, again, the level of leadership, the commitment of the people. And again, this paper has something unique because, again, as I said, there's a lot of information going around, but uh, within volunteering and this networking, we were able to reach detailed information from all the world, not from the United States, from Europe, uh, not even from China. We were able to see different levels of information as the virus was going worldwide because, again, the virus was very advanced in China. At that time, was uh, having a peak in Europe. Inside the United States, was getting prepared. In Latin America, where my area was also getting prepared. So there were different timings of the virus depending on the system you were present. So we were able to get prepared for what we were seeing in Europe. Um, again, uh, I like it very much, again, the ability to have global uh, information and get uh, some ideas and suggestions for the people that just starting to deal with the virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds sounds like an amazing effort and to, to come together so quickly. Um, to put it all together is really, really quite impressive. Dean, how about yourself? Um, I'd love for you to dig in a little bit more on some of the takeaways uh, from the report and anything applicable to your work in Australia. Yeah. Yes, for for me, uh, the need for reliability during a pandemic crisis, um, we we operate a a power system that... um, should, should never stop. So it, it has to be reliable. But when you're dealing with a pandemic like this, what it means for a utility or an independent system operator to keep the power on. Um, so we, we could learn from each other. You know, there were things that manifested um, them, themselves even more brightly um, during this. For example, you know, cybersecurity, uh, with people just shifting from working in the office to working from home, what it meant for cybersecurity. And we saw a lot of um, increased activity and, and you know, the um, cyber criminals wanting to use this vulnerability that has been created for their own purposes. The, the other takeaway from the report was the supply chain disruptions. You know, the the experts in the field and the access to them due to um, travel restrictions, access to material. Um, you know, it, it, it really created a whole raft of different um, concepts uh, with what um, we're used to uh, in terms of, you know, the, the prior to COVID-19 with globalization, having access to information, to experts, to material that we need and suddenly when this stops. So um, what happens and how we can manage this risk? So um, Juan Carlos mentioned about the timing. I I think we benefited a lot from the timing. I I remember when this started um, in China, um, we we thought what would happen if it was in Australia. And and then I I got in touch with my colleague, IEEE, colleague um, from Beijing uh, who works in the control center and I said, how are you managing this situation? And, and he explained different um, mitigation me- measures that they have been put in place. And um, then when we saw this virus making its way in other countries, uh, there, there were a lot of similarities um, in, in the principle of controlling uh, the, the virus and ensuring that, uh, that the health of uh, employees are maintained, ensuring that, that there are principles that manage um, 
operations and other aspects of uh, running a power system. So there were a lot of takeaways from the reports for me as well. Great, yeah, it sounds like it. And um, as as I think we've seen, just the ripple effect of unintended consequences from just one shift in one direction. Um, certainly, you guys have felt that in your in your day to day, but also it's um, articulated very well in this report. Uh, Juan Carlos, sorry, were you going to say something? Yes, uh, you you said something very important. This virus was moving very quickly, right? And we needed to provide and get information very quickly. And as I said. It was a unique experience, and again, uh, we had to run when we were writing down this uh, white paper because, again, we needed to know what was done by other utilities very quickly. Uh, what what was China doing? What was done in Europe? Uh, because, again, Latin America, and I guess at that time, United States, we were getting prepared for what we were seeing in other places. And we, don't, we didn't have time. We were... Uh, short of time. We, we, we needed to pre- get prepared in weeks. Right. Yeah, I think, and we all experienced that in our own lives as well. Um, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more about, you've both touched on the, the topic of reliability. Of course, that's a term widely used in the energy industry and it is of utmost importance to utilities and system operators. Um, the report digs in a little bit to some insights on what potential changes may be needed, either in technologies or approaches, to get a, a better grasp on more granular reliability performance metrics. And I'm wondering if either of you can speak to you know, what that looks like, what those changes might entail, and, and what's maybe already in process to, uh, to begin to expand those reliability metrics. COVID-19 has created um, new focuses for utilities and independent system operators. So um, in in terms of um, reliability, um, the the focus now is not only on the reliability of power system, but reliability of um, power system as a result of ensuring the protection of uh, utilities, workforce, um, the staff that are critical for the power system operation. Um, that, that is another metric monitoring local economies because of the demand. Uh, pre- previously, this wasn't a main consideration, uh, but uh, with the impact that we saw uh, from COVID-19, um, the local economies have become um, really a, an important factor because it is a health crisis, but it has led into an economic crisis. And the, our objective is to stop it from becoming a power crisis, which eventually, if there is a power crisis, it will lead into a wholesale society crisis because our modern society cannot function without power. And, and if you think about um, what would happen um, if, if you had a power crisis, it, it's really a frightening prospect. Um, the, the other factors that uh, utilities and ISO should be uh, mindful and, and became very mindful um, is the utilities' revenue, how their revenue will be impacted if people uh, or businesses could not pay their dues, what would happen to their operation. A lot of other uh, metrics came into picture as a result of COVID-19. Hi, Dean. I agree with you in the workforce. I I, I really have seen that very much. The value of the people working in the poor industry has been shown very high now, and the importance about them. Uh, as I said, uh, this is a people seven, and the grid, in my point of view, have been doing very well. I haven't seen any report worldwide about uh, an effect. But again, protecting our people, uh, giving them the tools to keep working from their home, uh, remote working, telecommuting, those new tools will stay with us and they will improve the reliability of our uh, duties. And I think that's something very amazing. And again, uh, and most of those things will keep in the new reality while we get a vaccine. But again, uh, people have been very creative right now, protecting the people, splitting crews, keeping uh, higher cleaning practices, and again, working remotely, 
will be something that we'll keep with us and will be an extremely valuable tool for any additional event that could become from the weather of the event or the grid. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because um, the other question I had here is whether or not any of these insights can and should be applied when considering how to manage and operate the uh, energy system going forward in light of what we know to be true, that there are going to be more extreme weather events, natural disasters, and and all of those are exacerbated by climate change. And so are, does, the, does the report talk about that and, and or are you guys thinking about that? Yes, I, I think COVID-19 provided an excellent example of resiliency and, and what it means. So those, those businesses that um, were talking about this concept and trying to um, manage this, this risk um, from their system perspective uh, did really well. Um, I, I worked for AEMO and we had a flexible working arrangement even before this crisis. And I saw how this um, arrangement enabled us to shift the operation from working 100% in the office to 100, almost 100% except for the critical staff from home. So that transition was seamless because we were prepared for that. And, and you know, these extreme events um, will require uh, businesses, utilities to have plans for these um, sorts of disaster events. And, and COVID-19 taught us the importance of this. Uh, we, we saw how quickly um, practices focused on control centers. Uh, for example, in, in, in um, China, they, they sequestered their um, controllers and, and uh, critical people who operate the power system such that they manage the risk of contagion. Uh, if one group were affected, then the other group could operate the power system. I know New York Power Authority has done the same. New York ISO has done the same. Um, we in AEMO had uh, the, the plan uh, to the end of the, this sort of risk. What would happen if we do this? You know, the scenario planning. What should we do if this happens? And, and we, we created uh, different teams such that they don't come into contact with, you, with each other. They can operate the power system independently if um, there was a risk of infection within one group. Um, and, and how we risk managed all of these situations. So that, that is really important learning from this crisis. A lot of utilities looked at their field operation. Uh, they, they tried to get their um, grid to the best the state possible, you know, the um, maintenance that were outstanding, they quickly uh, tried to do them just in case if uh, something happened to their operation. They wanted to get the grid in the base shape um, before the crisis. They, they focused on the customer operations and office staff. They, they focused on their supply chain, um, cybersecurity, and, and mitigating technical issues. Uh, even before the, the the crisis hit them, so there are a lot of learnings that can be applied for um, future events. We, we know that uh, power systems are, are becoming impacted um, increasingly by weather events, by extreme weather events, and and this is an excellent lesson how we can apply these risk mitigation to manage those situations going forward. I agree with you, Dean, that this has been a great opportunity to implement new things. And as I was saying, due COVID, we learned how to increase the ways to operate the grid remotely. Uh, as you said, uh, we were already prepared with backup control centers, but due COVID, we started to think about new ways to do it, and we now know how different ways to replace new parts of the control system building, let's say. Even though we have a backup, we prepare ways to work from different places, a less limited, and of course we check it, the cybersecurity part of it. But again, uh, as you said, it's very important 
we were prepared and we had telecommuting programs in our company. But within a few days, we sent almost everyone to work home and we gave, in, gave them tools to continue working by, from home. And, and we had been working from home and everything had been, had been doing, uh, I would say, uh, very well. So those learnings are very important for us to get prepared for a hurricane, a floating, a earthquake like we get very much in Costa Rica. Now we have new resources to keep the lights on um, that were not taught in the past. And COVID made us to think about them and implement them, as I said, in very quick way because we didn't have time. We had had to get a rush prepared to it and avoid any infection on the control center. That's great. Um, I want to dig in a little bit on, you've both talked about this, and of course we've all experienced this, with the shift from working in commercial facilities and uh, sort of the nine-to-five uh, consumption habits to then shifting everything to largely residential consumption. And then, of course, there was probably other changes in uh, energy consumption and peak demand trends. Um, wondering if you can speak to your experiences in your respective jurisdictions and, and how that changed and what impacts those changes have had on operations and, and planning. Dean, I'll start with you. Yeah, we... We... Um, followed with great interest what was happening in Italy and Spain. You know, the two-digit reduction in operational demand, 25% that we saw in Italy and also Spain, um, really uh, concerned us because um, uh, if, if there was anything like that here, um, we would uh, run into some challenges that we probably um, were not... Um, Expecting right now, maybe in a few years, but um, we, we saw a 25% um, reduction in demand. To us, wasn't reduction; it was demand destruction. Um, so, uh, Australia has a, a large penetration of renewables, and, and um, we, we have uh, dockers in um, Australia, South Australia and Western Australia, uh, and, and these. Things were uh, con concerning us, you know, the um, double-digit reduction in demand in European countries. But um, Australia over, overall um, has seen only very moderate reduction in demand over the past few weeks, uh, with the impacts increasing incrementally over time. Um, much greater reduction has taken place internationally, as I said. Uh, but um, in... Um, Western Australia, where um, I am, we had about 5%, and in some Australian cities, um, about 9 or 10%. So um, the impact here wasn't um, to the level that we saw in other countries. And as Australia's uh, restrictions are lifted state by state, demand is getting to the no more normal level, uh, not, nothing like what we have seen. Uh, we were very really prepared for what could happen in, in terms of managing the, the voltage, managing reactive power on the grid if there was no demand. Um, and uh, we worked with um, local utilities and uh, transmission and distribution companies to ensure that um, all, all the mit mitigation measures are in place. Um, what we could do to manage voltage and reactive power. For example, in, the, um, in, in Western Australia, we um, went into extent to look outside the box what we have in, in our toolbox to, to manage the situation. Um, for example, there were some generators that have the capability to operate in synchronous condenser mode. And for the first time, we tested them in that mode and ensured that if we need them, they, they can come in and uh, manage uh, the reactive power issue and voltage issue that we have. So um, in, in terms of risk mitigation, um, I think a lot of utilities and ISOs look deeply into what um, they, they can do to manage the situation. And uh, so far, um, this situation has been managed really well. I think in globally, when I look at um, very few problems that we have, like outages here and there, but 
that the power industry has been able to manage this crisis really well up to this point. I agree with you on that point, actually. As I said, uh, what, I, what I have seen from the grids is, is that they, they, did it, they did it well. I didn't saw any big uh, problem. As you said, the load in Central America uh, also decreased, and of course it decreased depending on the, on the local uh, authorities' actions. In Costa Rica, it didn't uh, got very low. Uh, I saw in Panama a two-digit number as a very different load shape that was very interesting. But again, I think all the system operators uh, use their own tricks, their own theory. Um, the worst thing maybe that I, we saw was taking out some uh, transmission lines to lower the reactive power in the network. But uh, again, I will say in all the countries we saw different uh, degrees of the demand. But uh, all the system operators and transmission uh, utilities, they did a well job of controlling the voltage. No no, no problem uh, for the, the reliability of the system. And of course, in Central America, we have a Central America system operator coordinator. We exchanged ideas. We were uh, getting in touch uh, to know how the, the grids were operating. But as I said, uh, there were no big concern about uh, the load levels that we saw. So things go quite well. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, yeah, hopefully no major events happen here in the next several months as we continue to to deal with COVID-19. Um, I want to ask you both about the impact of uh, the adoption of renewable energy and or, and or energy efficiency and distributed energy resources, uh, whether or not COVID-19 has already impacted how these uh, resources are deployed and or if you have any predictions on how they will be either accelerated or slowed in the uh, years to come as a result of COVID-19. Yes, this is a very wide, wide question, Sarah. Um, with regards to energy efficiency, um, with people working from home, I think a lot of people have gone to manage their bills because they expected a larger bill uh, because of um, more consumption, residential consumption. So um, a lot of people have implemented en energy efficiency initiatives. Um, we, we saw in Australia with working from home that the uh, uptake of uh, rooftop TV increased. A lot of installation happened. And... Um, the, the decrease in demand in some countries has effectively increased the renewable resource percentage share in the generation mix. But uh, this has also led um, to an increase in curtailment of some renewable generation in some countries. When, when you look at the Californian ISO um, figures comparing the um, curtailments of wind and solar in 2019, with 2020, we see um, a great increase in 2020. And also, we've seen uh, the deepening of the dark care belly in California during the COVID-19 month. So um, I think in um, different jurisdictions, uh, they had a different impact. But one other factor that probably we need to also mention is the electricity prices that um, are, are lower uh, due to demand reduction and um, also um, that there are more instances of negative prices. We've seen um, more frequent negative prices in Germany, uh, the amount of renewable energy in feed from solar PV and onshore and offshore has increased significantly in Germany. We've seen negative prices more negative prices in Australia that I know of. And um, eventually, um, these negative prices will lead to um, retirement, maybe early retirement of aging coal and marginal conventional uh, generators, which means that um, it, it will be more um, space for renewables. Of course, you know, we need to balance this with what 
uh, any power system can accommodate in terms of renewables. But uh, what we see in terms of trends that um, probably this crisis will mean that uh, viability of some of these um, conventional generators will be um, more challenged um, going forward. In our case in Costa Rica, we had uh, some experience being really renewable. Uh, Costa Rica had been very close to 100 renewable during the last four years. We have been very lucky uh, with our system and the resources from nature. Uh, during COVID, as I said, we saw a reduction in the load, not very high, but again, we keep the system really green. Uh, most of our energy kept coming from renewable sources. And we saw a similar behavior in other systems in the region, uh, less use of gas and other thermal generation. What I think is that people had experienced more that uh, condition of being operating with such an, a lot of amount of renewables. And I guess COVID will teach them or give them confidence that it could be possible, uh, of course, you always have to be checking whether things as renewable sources, uh, they change a lot during the time. But I guess, again, um, I would say a lot of networks had experienced something that was not very common to them. And, and, and it will give them confidence, again, that operating with such level of renewables is possible. Uh, there are tools as containment, as mentioned by Dean, that can be done. But again, it's not impossible, and I think that will make some push uh, to continue. Or well, again, it will create uh, a little bit of more pressure to system operators to still keep working with renewables. As again, this has shown that it's possible, and of course, there are there are technical challenge, but those challenges can be solved. Well, that's great news. I suppose there's a handful of silver linings from this pandemic, and that seems to be one of them. Um, shifting gears just a little bit, you guys have both brought up uh, cybersecurity concerns and being able to manage those in light of all the changes, uh, particularly working from home and having to shift operations out of out of the you know headquarters of of utilities. Without revealing too much, um, if you can both speak to what's being done to mitigate threats and um, you know how that's going to continue to transform the energy industry going forward as it's affecting all sectors of our economy. Yeah, we've seen um, cyber criminals and nation-state threat actors are leveraging COVID-19 in a number of ways. Uh, we see increased use of COVID-19 team, uh, phishing emails as a part of the initial stage of attempt, attempted cyber intrusion. Um, they, they are also looking to exploit potential weakness uh, associated with the uh, more widespread adoption of remote working arrangements. Um, and um, they're trying to um, access uh, or critical systems uh, through this change of operation because people are you now working remotely. Um, the, the Australian Cybersecurity Centre has produced advice to help critical infrastructure providers protect themselves from cybersecurity attacks when their staff are working from home during this pandemic. So they have um, informed us about consideration of a secondary or tertiary operation control center that may offer better security controls than home or remote working. Um, using um, key technical control of two communication jumps to reach the operation environment. Uh, and in addition to that, the unique account, passwords, and multi-factor authentication for accessing those systems also maintaining a detailed um, logical diagram of operation network and um, to have a rapid disconnect plan when we need to, that can be deployed quickly in case of um, notice, if we notice a malicious activity. So there, there are um, those ad advice 
from uh, these experts that we are implementing and have implemented in our system. But um, in addition to this, um, our cybersecurity team is um, constantly um, ens ens ensuring that uh, our workforce are aware of those sorts of um, attempts uh, to, to penetrate our systems and, and they're testing us by sending test emails, um, for example, to our staff to see how aware they, they are to these sorts of threats. So we, we have seen a lot of activity um, starting um, during this time and, and continuing throughout um, and, and until now. So more activities in, in cybersecurity space. In your case, I would say that, again, we had to prepare our workforce very quickly to go home and work uh, using different types of equipment. So we, we asked our technical support to prepare the computers to check how the people were going to working from home, giving them advice of how to behave with the cybersecurity. Uh, this was a very fast thing to do, right, uh, as the virus was moving very fast and coming from the... China, Europe to America, uh, and we need, we did it very quickly again. But I think uh, things have been well. We haven't received any report of any specific threat. Uh, people looks to be behaving well and dealing with working at home. That is not easy, but still keeping the commitment for the security of the system. I think working from home has been the, the biggest challenge, as I said. Uh, we all know that we have to keep doing what we do while still taking care of the kids. There's a lot of excitement around at home. But again, people have been very responsible, uh, very committed to to do what they have to do and keep focus, right? So again, uh, keeping uh, giving support to people at home, giving advice, and of course, cross-check uh, activities uh, on the network had been at least at this moment very successful for us. Well, good. I'm glad to hear there have not been any specific threats, uh, at least the, on your in your experience, and hopefully that's a widespread trend. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but I want to elaborate a little bit on the response of utilities across the world in helping both residential and business customers avoid shutoffs and helping to keep electricity uh, on to those customers who are struggling to pay their bills due to the economic uh, devastation brought on by COVID-19. And what uh, what the shared insights from, from that experience have been across utilities? I, I can talk about Australia that um, uh, during this uh, crisis, um, that the government has banned utilities from um, shutting off customers who can't afford to pay their bills. So a lot of initiatives from governments are in place to ensure that people are not adversely affected um, by this crisis, especially in, in the power industry space. Uh, I'm, I'm not aware of other countries. Maybe Juan Carlos, if you can elaborate, if, if you know on other countries, what has been the situation? Yeah, very similar with, with what you just said. Uh, we, I saw some utilities uh, sending uh, media campaigns, advising the people, be aware that you have to take care of your bill, uh, uh, energy efficiency suggestions. Again, advising the people to be careful at home, stop cooking too much at home, or be aware of how much you do it because it will impact your bill. That was one thing that I have seen. The other thing that, as uh, you said, is that a lot of utilities had stopped to cut off the power if you don't pay, of course, uh, in a limited uh, window of time. And I guess they are reviewing that. But of course, that was also kind of a health issue uh, during the impact of, or possible impact of COVID to die, life activities. The, other, the third thing um, that I have seen in, in, in Costa Rica was implemented 
there was a special payment arrangement plan that had been built, and uh, at least on my utility, uh, made a lot of payment uh, arrangement with uh, several uh, actors in the commercial and, uh, area and industrial area. So to support them to to have more flexibility, especially during these times. So I think utilities, of course, have been checking to keep the lights on. But again, there's a human uh, uh, factor here. Um, as you said, there's a, there's a lot of people not having a good time due to COVID, of course, with life. And of course, with the financial part of it. And utilities have been thinking about it and trying to support uh, customers. At the end, customers are very important for us. And they have been uh, trying to give some level of flexibility to them uh, during these rough times. Good. Well, I know it's a it's a very prominent issue in the states and and different states and regulatory commissions are dealing with this issue in different ways. Um, but glad to hear that on the whole, the trend, or at least from your experiences, has been to uh, protect those customers in the meantime and figure out ways to keep the utility revenue uh, system whole uh, going forward um, to to address those losses. Um, well, we're closing in on our time today, and this has been fascinating. And really, again, want to appreciate or want to thank both of you for your time and contributing to this uh, very interesting topic. I'll end with a, a broad, kind of open-ended question. You guys can elaborate on anything you haven't had chance to to speak to yet. But um, I'm curious, what major change you expect the electrical industry to? adopt going forward as a result of COVID-19? We've touched on a number of them. Uh, so if you just want to reiterate what you've already said or if there are new changes that you uh, see on the horizon, curious to know what you think those are. And Dean, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think COVID-19 has taught us many things. Um, you, you can't unlearn what you have learned during this period. Uh, what, one thing is that we learned that... Um, the business can still continue operation with um, many people working from home. So um, this is a good lesson. Um, I, I have a colleague uh, who is working for a, a multinational company. He told me each time they had uh, their board meeting, uh, the board members flew to one of these countries that they had operation on, and um, the cost of board meeting was $300,000. Uh, he, he told me um, the last board meeting, because the board couldn't meet um, and they had to meet virtually, the cost of that board meeting was not even $300. So these are new ways of operation that we have learned, uh, that they are effective, uh, that they work. Um, and um, going forward, uh, we need to think what will be the um, new normal. So we don't want to go back to the old normal. We, we want to see what can we do for the betterment of the environment, uh, decarbonization of economy. We, we have seen um, good environmental impacts of COVID-19. And um, if, if we go back to normal, we haven't learned anything. So our future will be more collaborative, more agile, um, more taking the account of what can be done uh, with um, not the ways that uh, we applied before, but new ways of operation. And, and COVID-19 has been um, really uh, important in, in um, teaching us these new ways of operation. I think that, again, virtual meetings is one of the key things that will keep going on for the rest of the life again. As uh, Dean was mentioned, uh, my schedule in meetings is now back-to-back -back meetings. Uh, it's it's very effective right now, and as you said, uh, I, I I even know from my manager, he used to travel to have some meetings with some other directors on the utility, but now he can use that time to to have another meeting, and I I also know that his schedule is now very busy, so virtual meetings is something that will keep with us totally uh, in the future. Telecommuting is also something that we will keep, especially with the new normal state without the vaccine. 
uh, I think we will keep a lot of people working at home and we will have some re-entry of uh, activities. But again, without the vaccine, we will need uh, distance in our buildings. We will still need people working from home. And I think people are getting used to that. Some, For some of them, it works. They will try to continue working from home. Some people, I think, it will be tough and they will try to go, get back to their, their office. There are different social realities. But definitely telecommuting will stay in a higher level for a long time because it had been as effective as, and it had been seen as possible. We had done it, as we said, almost all the company working from home and the lights keep on. So, again, we will need to establish a medium place, a level of people working at home and people working in the office, of course, with new health and protective devices, maybe. The other thing that I think it will change again, at least in Latin America, is again the the high value of the people. Again, as I said before, this is a people's heaven. We need to get prepared to take care of our people. We we studied at the university how to have reliability with the tripping of a line. We we have backup transformers. Uh, we have spinning reserve. We have a lot of things for the grid. But now we have seen that we have to be careful of our people and we have to provide the tools and we have to take care of them in order to keep the grid on. So that's another thing that I think it will be a big lesson for the systems in the future. Well, it's great to hear those insights and glad to hear that so many of the lessons learned uh, are already beginning to take hold and, and that the industry is thinking of ways to both improve efficiency of operations and streamline day-to-day, but also uh, prioritize the the people in the power industry. I think that's great. Um, Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, and I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to be with me today. So, Dean and Juan Carlos, thank you. Thank you. As we say in Costa Rica, pura vida. Thank you very much. Exactamente, pura vida. Uh, Grid Geeks listeners and subscribers, you can find links to relevant articles and reports. Uh, the report that we talked about today will be on the uh, Grid Geeks website, which is www.goodgrid.net forward slash blog. And uh, as always, a thank you to our sound engineer, Rowan Stigner, and the audio in in Salt Lake City. And a huge thank you to our listeners and subscribers and supporters. I'm your host, Sarah Baldwin, and this is Grid Geeks. <laughs>